Approaching Zion. This is our Come Follow Me series for January 29th through February 4th. I will prepare the way before you. We're looking at 1 Nephi chapters 16 through 22. And it's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations in this episode. A lot of miracles that come from it, though. The fact that this episode is getting produced right now is a bit of a miracle. <laughs> we've had our we've had a bit of our own trials and tribulations this We got a new studio though? A new setup, some new gear. <laughs> yeah, so we've updated uh some of our setup and we've been troubleshooting problems for like the last two hours. So <laughs> We joked before about starting before midnight. Yeah. Now we're gonna try to start before two AM. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay, so the theme of of this Come Follow Me chapter comes from 1 Nephi chapter 17, verse 13, which is, I will prepare the way before you, if it so be that ye shall keep my commandments. That's 1 Nephi yep, 17, 13. So the introduction paragraph here says, clearly... That promise did not mean that the journey would be easy. So we're already uh, getting the fair warning that mm -hmm. the Lord's promises and the blessings that he promises does not necessarily mean comfort and luxury and easy life. It's, you know, that takes my mind to, you know, the, um, my kingdom, right, is not of this world. Yeah. Uh, the way that the way that we think about blessings and the way that the Lord thinks about blessings. Mm -hmm. Two different things. Two different things. Lord, the Lord tells us, take up our cross, follow him. I mean, that that does not paint a picture of ease and comfort. And that's clearly what we're going to see demonstrated in, in especially chapter 16, 17, 18, the first part of this. They've taken a lot of chapters and tried to combine them into one week's worth of, of lessons, which makes sense. I mean, there, there's a lot to cover in the year. So this is going to happen from time to time. And But those first couple, two or three chapters, we're going to focus a lot on that because it really hits and hammers home a lot of what they want to discuss in regards to these trials, these tests, and these seemingly difficult situations that Lehi, Nephi, and the family are going through. But the amazing thing in this is we see that the Lord he very clearly wants to demonstrate and illustrate that they recognize he's the one doing it. He's the one providing the way forward. He's the one providing the blessings. And this is the way in which the Lord saw fit for them to recognize him and to understand that he's the one that's leading them to the promised land. So there's a couple different sections in the manual. We have, the Savior will help me face life's challenges. We have, God guides me through small and simple means. And then we have, my trials can be a blessing. So, I don't, we're not really going to go section by section in this episode. Um, we're really just kind of follow the scriptures and follow the narrative and we're just kind of go in the order that you read it yeah and really because those two sections my trials can be a blessing and the savior will help me face life's challenges i mean those go hand in hand yeah so we're going to go through the story talk about what's going on 
and kind of give commentary along the way as we go. And in that middle section about God guides me through small and simple means, well, that's that's really keying in on the Liahona. Yeah. So that's gonna that's gonna come up along the way. So um, really, just following the the scriptures, I think, is gonna get us uh, through all three of those those main sections as we go. So we'll probably be looking more at, at verses and uh, chapters and verses in the scriptures and we will at the manual as we go through, but um, it's all following the same same outline here. So to get started, uh, I'll read, I think there's one more quote from the manual. It says that uh, although Nephi and his brothers had the same challenges in the wilderness, their experiences were very different. Mm. And I think that really sets the tone of everything we're going to be talking about today. Because, right, it, we can go through the same trials, but the attitude and the approach that we bring to, to going through those trials, that's what makes all the difference. Yep. And that's what the gospel uh, is is designed to help us with is to give us a perspective, an eternal perspective, and a grateful uh, attitude that can really bring us that peace that the gospel that Jesus Christ promised us to our lives, despite having trials and difficulties in life. And that allows us to really get the most out of those trials and difficulties for our personal growth. Well, and what we're going to see as well is that and we've talked about this in previous episodes, how Laman and Lemuel, Nephi, they've slowly started to separate. They're moving in different directions. And we're really going to be able to highlight here that Nephi, through his righteous efforts and desires, has built a reservoir of faith and trust in the Lord, and that Laman and Lemuel have, have clearly not. And any little bit of reservoir of faith that they may have had, it gets depleted very quickly because of the trials. And we want to start actually in chapter 16 in verse 6. Um, this this is really interesting, but very easy to overlook where it says, all these things were said and done as my father dwelt in a tent in the valley, which he called Lemuel. Why did I highlight that verse? It's very interesting that this valley of Lemuel where, where Lehi and the family originally went after leaving Jerusalem, traveling three days. This is where they camped out, so to speak. This is really a place for them to prepare. This Valley of Lemuel was an opportunity for not only Nephi and his brothers to fulfill some commandments the Lord had given Lehi. That was part of the preparation process. But everything that they were going to need for the journey ahead for the journey into the wilderness, the Valley of Lemuel was really that preparatory time for them to begin to get ready. And this is really applicable to us because we may be in that period now. There are certainly things coming that maybe, maybe, maybe further are probably shorter. continually. Yes, we're consistently going through this process where we are in a moment of preparation because the Lord knows that things are coming that we need to be prepared for. We need to recognize that. And we need to be taking advantage of that. And as the Spirit is inspiring or whispering to us or giving us these thoughts that, you know, in the moment may say, yeah, I'll get to that when it's convenient. That might be the Spirit telling you 
Now is the time to prepare. And that's really what we're seeing here is that this whole experience in, in the Valley of Lemuel has really been preparatory to what's coming. And the Spirit knows what's coming for the family. That valley is probably like, <clears throat> couldn't you have called me the Valley of Nephi? The valley. <laughs> Something a little, a little bit more of a... <laughs> future state of glory like why the valley of lemuel <laughs> compromise was i not good to you <laughs> I'd, I'd i'd be willing to go valley of sand uh, okay fair enough <laughs> <laughs> okay so yep so they're in there so all these things were said and done so as my so in the valley of them so what what was going on so that was while they went back and 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 got ishmael and it says up above that they married the the daughters of ishmael so all this was happening there, and that was part of fulfilling those commandments, right? So in verse 8, that's where it says, My father had fulfilled all the commandments of the Lord, which had been given unto him. Mm-hmm. So they were there, they were in the, in the Valley of Lemuel, they were receiving commandments, but they were going and doing. Yep. They were fulfilling, I will go, I will do. And seemingly, until they had gotten the plates, until they had gotten, you know, Ishmael and his family to come back. And then in verse 7, just above this, we see, and finally marry the daughters of Ishmael. Apparently, up to that point, they had not fulfilled all the commandments that Lehi had received up to this point. So it seemed as if they were going to they were gonna stick around in that valley until all of those commandments have been fulfilled. And then quickly hereafter, we see that, okay, now that they're fulfilled, time to move forward. Time to, time to move on to the next thing. And Zoram got in on the deal, too. Look at that. Yes. Zoram took the eldest daughter of Ishmael away. He got... He's working. This is working out for him. It's working this out. This is for not him. a bad deal. He didn't really have a choice, but it's, it's not. The, it's not the worst outcome for him, so. Okay. Uh, well, a comment on that too. If they had not fulfilled all the commandments which the Lord had given to them, they probably would have remained in the Valley of Lemuel. Yeah. So this is important because. You know, as disciples of Christ, we should be living and seeking personal revelation in our daily lives. And and we receive it. But we have to fulfill what we receive. When we are, are, are saying our personal prayers and we are in, in that and pondering and in, in that in that revelatory state and we're we're receiving those inspirations and, and those things that, that we should do in our daily life, whatever it may be. We need to be true and faithful to those things because if the Lord gives us revelation and we are not faithful to it, well, that's a roadblock to receiving further revelation and further progress in our lives. So I think, I think that's a, that's a invaluable principle that we need to understand and apply in our lives. And we've talked about this previously in, in, I don't know if we've talked about it in Come Follow Me, but some of our other gospel mystery podcasts we've done. Where we've talked about how we we tend to get into this mindset of, you know, the second coming, it's it's going to happen. The date's already set. Like regardless of what we do, it's coming. And what we've discovered as time has gone by is that doesn't appear to be the case. Actually, when when the Lord says only the Father knows when that moment, that time, that day is going to come, I think He's being quite literal about that because we have to prepare a spot, a place. We have to start preparing Zion within our homes in order for the Lord to return so that Zion globally can be established, right? And so this this whole concept of commandments 
have to be fulfilled before moving on to the next thing, we can get into this this routine and this idea that what's well, just going to happen. You know, my patriarchal blessing talks about certain things. So I know it's just going to happen. It's like, well, no, sometimes you've got to be actively engaged in making these things happen and, and, and receiving the fruit of what maybe you're intended to receive. So we've got to be working towards and doing our part, and then we can move forward into the next step, the next phase, whatever that may be. Well, and that's exactly what we see here. <clears throat> so they fulfill all the commandments, and then what happened? My father arose in the morning, beheld upon the ground a, a round ball of curious workmanship. They received the liahona, which is an instrument of revelation, yeah. of inspiration, of guidance. So they, they did what they needed to do, and now they are prepared, and they're, they're given the tools to receive more and go on the path. And the, they have some pretty good times with the Liahona, uh, learning how to use it. You know, they're observing the different spindles, one point of the way to go. Uh, and that helped them get, uh, get their provisions and to travel through the, the parts of, of the, of, uh, find the areas that were fertile and that mm. had, had animals and had food. It was leading them and giving them everything they needed mm-hmm. uh, along the way. So they were they were digging the liahona. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "This is great." And it's the liahona is seemingly working without them even fully understanding how or why. You know, it's just like it's it's giving them directions. They recognize that it's working, and they just continue to follow those directions. But as we'll see here, they didn't even really understand how the liahona was working. But they were following its guidance, and it yeah. appeared to be working. Well, they, and they, because they were, they were already in that righteous state, that yeah. faithful state that caused it to work. Right. So it was just working. Mm-hmm. Everything, all the stars were aligning. Everything, everything was good for it to be working. And they were like, "This is great. Ain't nothing bad gonna happen today." <laughs> until <laughs> the Lord's taking care of it. Ain't nothing bad gonna happen until something some, bad happened. Something bad happened. <laughs> Thus is life. Right, this is the lesson we're learning. Mm-hmm. Trials can be a blessing. The Savior helps us. Life has trials. Mm-hmm. Life has blessings. Life has all of the good that is available from the Lord. Life also has the challenges. That's just how it is. So what was the trial? Broken bow. The broken bow. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Hard to relate to that today because <laughs> no one's going to cry too hard over Unless you're into archery. There we go. I did break my bow. That's right. (laughs) And uh, behold, (laughs) my brethren were angry with me because of the loss of my bow, for we did obtain no food. So that's like, that's basically the equivalent of losing your job. Yeah, for sure. Right. And then, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck, you lose your job. Yeah. How are you going to take, how are you going to provide for your family? Right. That's the situation they were in. And everyone blamed Nephi because yeah. that's the cool thing to do. Well, and the difficult part too was they had, I mean, they had brought provisions with them. They had some backup. I mean, they, they had some things that they were bringing with them. However, in that kind of environment where the work is hard, the travel is hard, everything is, is difficult, you need significant nourishment. I mean, you can't survive off of very minimal calories, you know, and, and what they were catching with their bow was providing that that really deep nutrition to them that their bodies needed. 
And now all of a sudden they didn't have that and their bodies would have at this point gone into some some pretty severe fasting, you know, and, and that will cause people to be very not happy, we should say. I mean, it that, that really is difficult for anybody to go through where you go from one extreme to the other in this kind of a harsh environment. And so obviously Lemon and Lemuel were, were hating on Nephi, but... Um, then some interesting things start happening. So Laman and Lemuel, they get, of course, the sons of Ishmael. They get everyone on board, hating on, hating on Nephi. Mm-hmm. But uh, then my father began to murmur against the Lord. So I think this this is the first, like, Lehi's been so rock solid up mm-hmm. to this point. He's been that, that just, that foundational, uh, the, the stability of of the whole family, he's been the patriarch leading. He's he's the one that started the whole process, had the visions, was called was called to the Lord to flee Jerusalem, and now we see Lehi being a man, being mortal, having weakness, and you know just of course Lehi was of age, right? He was older, um, probably having a lot of physical pains. Yeah, on this journey, he's probably going through a lot of physical trials as, as well as just the emotional and spiritual well, and he trials. And he would have been feeling like we feel so often where I'm doing all that the Lord has asked me to do. And today we'd say, you know, I have a calling at in church. Maybe I serve in the temple or maybe I go to the temple regularly. I'm paying my tithing. I'm giving a generous fast offering. I'm doing my ministering. You know, I'm going above and beyond to volunteer whenever there's something that needs to be going on. And so we just instinctively develop this this feeling and this attitude of, okay, this must mean I shouldn't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to go through these trials. And so it's very natural for, for Lehi to feel that way. You know, like, I've, what more could I sacrifice? What more could the Lord ask of me? And now this, now we're barely surviving as it is, and now we don't have any food. You know, th- it's very relatable what Lehi was feeling going through this particular um, incident here. And so what do we see? So Nephi has to step up. He has to rise to the occasion, and that's exactly what he does. He's, he goes and he makes a makeshift bow mm-hmm. out of wood, um, which is interesting because, mm-hmm. I mean, we see that Nephi's already showing some ingenuity and in, like some some carpentry, let's say, like that's, you know, He's got initiative. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to need that coming up. <laughs> so he 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 makes makes the bow. He also armed himself with a sling and with stones. And then he went to his father and said, "Where will I go to obtain food?" So Nephi sets the example. He gives he gives the example and honors his father. Yep, he honors the 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 patriarchal yep. order of the family. Goes to his father. And um, Nephi's example humbled his father. Yeah, that that Lehi immediately recognized that he, his attitude had been incorrect. And uh, the voice of the Lord came unto my father, and he was truly chastened because of his murmuring. You know, it's interesting here though as well. Nephi's example here: he took what he had available, the best he could. You know, this this may not have been the greatest solution. It may not have appeared on the outside that this was going to be overly successful, but his efforts, his works were as good as he could do given the circumstances and the conditions that they found themselves in. And, you know, given where they were in the wilderness, there's a really good chance there wasn't a whole lot of 
of really good solid wood for bows or really good wood available for arrows. You know, who knows where exactly they were at this particular moment, but everything is kind of sparse in the wilderness and in the desert that yeah. they're going through. But it was enough. The Lord consecrated his efforts and magnified those efforts so that he could then go out and, and do something about it. And that's a lesson for us, right? What do you have available? You may look at it and say, I don't think this is going to be enough. Or other people may look at it and say, that's not going to achieve the outcome you're looking for. But if that's what you've got and you you show the initiative, you put your works and and and, and you put that faith out there into action, the Lord can magnify that effort and he can make it enough. And that's what we see coming up here with Nephi. And Nephi provided multiple options, hmm. right? He, yep. he made that makeshift bow, which was probably lousy. Yeah. Like if, if, if Nephi knew how to make made a, ki- make a killer bow, like they wouldn't have been mad. Yeah. Right? They would have so been like, ah, he'll make another he one. He made no that bow. Deal. He did the best he could. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also brought the slings and the stones, right? He had multiple options of how he could go hunt. So he, 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 when he, so he went to his father to ask for revelation, right? He was bringing something to the table. Okay, he was, and it wasn't just one thing. So it's similar to how when they're going to get the plates, they try multiple. Yep. They they bring different options of how to go about doing it. They bring all that they can, uh, right first, and then that allows the Lord to, uh, to then to then take it from there and and consecrate, like you said, to use to use what you bring, um, for the miracles that you're seeking. So. Lots of lessons here that can be applied to us in our daily lives and our challenges that we're going through. And uh, we need to be making, you know, not not just one effort. We need to be thinking creatively. We need to come up with multi- multiple potential solutions and, mm-hmm. and ways of going through these trials. And we need to bring that. We need to bring that offering to the Lord and 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 work with with the Lord on on solving these problems and, and going through them. Not just not just asking and pleading and hoping. You know everything. There's there's no growth in that. Yeah, and it's just so. So Lehi was chastened, and he went and looked into the Leahona, and whatever he saw, it was not good. Yeah, he <laughs> he was chastened by the Lord when he went to him in prayer, and he may have felt really bad about that. But it is interesting that the fear did not come upon him until he actually looks at the Leahona and whatever was there was very, and this is the first time we see Lehi actually being fearful that faith is not the first reaction for him. That's, that's not the first instinct for him. So whatever was there must've been pretty significant, but obviously the Lord was using this as a lesson Mm -hmm. to really teach Lehi and and get his point across yep. and to correct some of Lehi's misunderstandings. Because when you have the right attitude and the right spirit, like these warnings and these chastisements, right? They're they work. Yeah, like they allow you to to say, "I'm not doing that again." Therefore, you're good. Yeah, right. When when you're humble enough to learn a lesson, uh, you can get a lot out of those uh, those feelings and those, those situations. Mm-hmm. So Lehi, he did fear and tremble exceedingly. Yeah. So more than likely he saw something that had to do with, if you continue in this, with this pride, mm-hmm. like the, the destruction, the destruction that, that you're yep. fleeing is going to catch up and find you. Yep. That's right. So it's just, that's just very intense. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can really feel 
that what that Lehi was, was was going through something there. Um, but then what's interesting is verse 28. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the pointers, which were in the ball, that they did work according to the faith and diligence and the heed which we did give unto them. Mm. So this is the first time that they start figuring out how the Liahona actually works. Yep. So that's what we were saying. They had been using it up at this point. Everything had been working out great. But the moment that their faith wavered, they were just, I mean, that, and that, that's part of what led to their despair and their murmuring and everything because they were just, they, had, they didn't know what was going on. And it took this, you know, going through this, this trial that when Nephi was able to put together the, hey, like, once we got over this, this pride and, 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 and we were chastised and we're returning back to the Lord in faith, all of a sudden Leahona's working again. Yep. So he, he started, they started putting everything together and, and now they were able to really use the Leahona as the tool it was intended to be. Not something that they're just blindly relying on. They're just hopeful that it's going to, to lead them to blessings. Now this, this tool of personal revelation is something that they can they can use in a in uh, in an organized way. They can they can bring their faith to it and re- uh, receive answers and, and responses um, that they're expecting. Yeah. So again, there's a lot of parallels to how we seek personal revelation in our life. And when we understand the power of faith and righteousness, we understand that. You know, we prepare ourselves, and, we, and then we bring that to the Lord to, to in prayer, right? Symbolically, the liahona. That is how we can truly commune with the Lord and receive uh, receive direction, receive inspiration, receive personal revelation. Well, it's interesting here that that he understands, he gains knowledge, right? He gains he gains wisdom and intelligence here. Okay, now I understand how this works. How does it work? According to the faith and diligence and heed which we give unto it, okay? So if they don't go through this trial, they don't go through this difficulty, this bit of knowledge may not have been discovered or may not have been discovered and internalized as impactful as it was. But then it says in, in, in verse 29 that the um, um, it did. there were writings that were plain to be read, which did give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. Okay, this is key. Because, again, why do we suffer? Why do we go through these trials and these tribulations? Because there is knowledge, there is intelligence that comes from it if we do it right. And Nephi was doing it right. And that's so critical for us to understand is nothing is wasted on the Lord. There is nothing that is lost on him. The trials and the difficulties we go through are used for our benefit, if we put our faith in him. And and this is exactly what Nephi is teaching us. Not only did he understand and come to learn that the Liahona worked by faith, but then because he starts to understand this and apply that first bit of intelligence he received, now he's, he's seeing we are gaining a deeper understanding of the ways of the Lord. We're starting to be able to put pieces together of maybe what are we doing here? Why are we going through this journey? Where are we headed? Where are we going? Now, he probably wasn't receiving the end-to-end vision, but he was starting to fill in well, more of that picture. Well, we know for a fact that he wasn't because the writing changed from time to time mm. according to the faith and diligence which we gave into it. Yep. So there it is. There's that process of 
you receive a little, you receive the commandment, you receive the direction, yep. then you have to give faith and diligence you to it. You act upon you it. You have to act upon it. Yep. And if you act upon it, then that writing would change and you would get more. Yep. That's the line upon line, precept upon precept principle. That's the that's how we receive personal revelation. That's how we live our lives. That's how we live the gospel. That's how we progress through the plan of salvation. That's e that's that's eternal progression mm -hmm. in this life and in the next. That's how it works. Well, and that's and that's the miracle. So often when we're in need, when we're desperate for something, we've lost a job or an, an opportunity didn't work out the way we anticipated or, you know, we're, we're, we're in too much debt now, whatever the case may be, we tend to get down on our knees and we we really plead for this large miracle to take place that's going to solve the problem for us. Mm. The miracle is exactly what Nephi teaches us here. By small means, the Lord can bring about great things. You, you will, if you are sincere and honest in your communion with the Lord, in your pleadings to him, you will receive small impressions. Degrees here, degrees there, little bits here, little bits there of act. Do this little thing. And it may not seemingly be a big deal in your mind, but as you follow those little impressions line upon line, as you know you're working towards and moving in a positive way, even if you don't understand where exactly you're going, but you know you're following the impressions of the Lord, great things will come from that. And that's what Nephi, that's the real miracle. It's not this massive, hey, we're going to bring down manna from heaven for you type miracle that the Israelites have. We see what that did for them. It didn't really increase their faith or their understanding in the gospel at all. That great manifestation did very little to increase their understanding of, of the Lord and of the Savior. But these little things, when we act upon those impressions, they start to build towards something magnificent. And then our faith and our understanding grows. And that's the miracle the Lord's trying to instill within us. And this, this is so powerful, right? These principles... They're just so powerful. And I'd just like to share some of my experiences and kind of how I have applied some of these principles in my life. Um, you know, how do, how do we make use of our, of our personal liahonas? How, how, how do we make use of the gift of the Holy Ghost that we have? And it's something that you have to put effort into. It's, it's not something that is going to happen by accident. So, first of all, you need to have a place set aside, dedicated somewhere, that you can actually go to ponder mm -hmm. and, and pray, where you can have some, some peace and quiet. You can have that moment, right? As, as, as Christ counseled us, you know, we need to have a closet in which we can go to pray. And that's the first step. Have, have, have some time set aside, have a place set aside. Then... When we're there, we truly have to give heartfelt prayer. Yeah. And what, what that means is we, we need to take our offering to the altar, as it were, and present it to the Lord. That's what Nephi did, right? He brought um, his options. He brought his bow. He brought his, his slings and the sling and his stones. He brought his offering to the Lord um, so that it would be accepted. And 
you know, that's that's a uh, doctrine of covenants. It talks about, um, you know, if, if you're seeking, is if you're seeking revelation, you need to study it out in your mind, mm. right? That's the same thing. You have to you put in that effort of thinking through it, of studying, of of figuring out potential ways to go about it. You have to, you bring something to to the altar as an offering to the Lord, and and then you're able to have a conversation. Then you're able to to show the Lord, I'm doing everything I can, right? I just I need help that's beyond what my physical senses can can give me, what my capacities are, or I just I just need assistance that these things I'm doing that they can actually be successful, right? The Lord's going to respond and 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 however He responds, but it's important that we're bringing something to the Lord, and and then and then what? Well, the Liahona writing was on it, and that writing changed from time to time. Well, how how does that apply? Well, when we're in this 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 moment of sacred prayer, you should have a notebook and a pencil in your hand, and you should be prepared to write your impressions, whether it's thoughts, whether it's feelings, whatever it may be. Uh, you need to respect the responses and the answers that the Lord is giving you. You need to be prepared to write those things down, and you know that's that's the writing of the liahona that that comes, and it's. Every time you pray, it's going to change from time to time. There's going to be nuances. There's going to be developments. There's going to be line upon line as you are faithful and diligent to what you are receiving. And the truth is, the answers that you get are going to be small and simple. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how it works. If you want great things from the Lord, be prepared to receive revelations that are small and simple. That is how it works. So... um you know, if, uh, I've had experiences where I'm in prayer and I'm just maybe it's not even anything specific. Maybe I'm just I'm just communing with the Lord and and just seeking His will of what He would have me do in general. Like what what should I be doing? What should I be focusing my attention on? Well, the things that come to my mind are not some great project or task. I'll be I'll be pondering. I'll be you know in in kind of my meditative state and just maybe a name will flash in my mind. Something that I wasn't thinking about that person, but all of a sudden there it is. You know, and, and what do I do with that? Well, that's small and simple. Well, we'll reach out to that person. Minister to them. See how they're doing. Send them send them a text, whatever it is. Um, it's small and simple. But, you know, you, you don't know why you need to be doing those things, but you now have a clear message. You now have a clear direction that you can go, and while you're on the path to being faithful and diligent with what you have received, right, the miracles are going to happen, and you're going to be able to witness them and actually know that it's the hand of the Lord doing great things, and it might be for them, and it might be for you, or it might be for something along the way, Yeah. but because you were specific in your intent, you wrote down the inspiration, and you acted on it, you're going to be able to recognize the miracle. And then you can actually go and write back in your journal that you acted on it and, and what the result was when you see it. And it's just, then you have records of what the Lord has done for you and you have something for you, for you and your posterity. And it's just, this is just, it's just, it's so powerful, this this concept that we get out of these principles of the Leahorn. And it's just been, it's just been amazing experiences in my life 
as I when when I have been successful in in applying these things. And to close the loop on that, it's important for us to remember that when the Spirit speaks to us and inspires us and gives us direction, if we don't act upon it, it's very difficult for us to go back to the Lord again and say, I I need I need help, I need I need further light, I need understanding, what do I need to do next? Often we need to complete the tasks, we need to fulfill the commands, just as we see here with Lehi, right? Mm-hmm. He was faithful. He fulfilled the commandments he had received, and then he was able to move forward, right? So when we get those promptings, write them down, but please act upon them. Because a lot of times we're not going to get the the, the next step. We're not going to receive the next inspiration or revelation until we have fulfilled what we have already received from the Lord. And and so that acting is crucial before we move forward. Don't receive a, a prompting, say, you know, that sounds pretty good. Don't act on it. And then a few days later, you're back on your knees begging the Lord to help you or, or to give you guidance when you didn't fulfill the last thing he gave you. Mm-hmm. You know, so we need to be aware and conscious of that as we're going about our day of actually following through on what he gives us. Okay, so Nephi, they, they got direction, he went, and he was successful in finding food. So, miracle. This is great. Everyone's happy. <laughs> Ain't nothing bad gonna happen today. Glad this tribulation's over. <laughs> this time of testing is done. And then what happens? <laughs> Trials and tribulations. <laughs> so, uh, Ishmael dies. In verse 34, came to pass that Ishmael died and was buried in the place which was called Nahom. And man, what a I mean, what a trial. Yeah. Uh the daughters of Ishmael did mourn exceedingly. Yeah. And what happened? Murmuring. Well, and it's clear too, you know, from previous chapters that it was really it was really Ishmael who was and of course he was the patriarch of his family. It was really him who was who was the instigator and the one that, that was really pushing his family and moving his family forward to follow Lehi to go down into the wilderness, to leave Jerusalem. And, and he was really that faith leader for them. And, and they were just kind of riding his coattails a little bit in this whole journey. And then we see here when he dies, that's a significant blow and, and a really difficult test in particular for Ishmael family, for his daughters, you know, in particular, because they, they seem to really be struggling now. And, and again, because they didn't have Likely, I'm assuming a little bit here. They likely did not have that really deep conversion to what they were doing. They didn't have that deep understanding and that witness of where they were headed. Check it out, because what what we see is they were just they were just saved from from hunger. Yeah. Okay. By the Lord, it was a miracle, and then they have a new challenge. Ishmael dies, and then what do they do? They're not just murmuring about that. Mm -hmm. They immediately go back to say. After we have wandered in the wilderness and suffered affliction, hunger, thirst, they immediately start murmuring about all of the trials that they've been going through. Yeah, like completely, com- completely ignoring yeah. the deliverance of each trial, mm-hmm. and and that's so. Going back to the beginning, Nephi, Laman, Lemur, they were having completely different experiences. Nephi was figuring out how the Liahona works. Nephi was seeing the hand of the Lord. He was being guided by revelation. Laman and Lemuel, and uh, they were just they they were just bystanders, mm-hmm. right? They were they were 
they were watching things happen, but they were just they they were just choosing to remain ignorant to to the cause and effect of how everything was happening. So when it was great, you know they were they were okay when things were going well. But the moment there was was an issue, it, they weren't just murmuring about the current issue. They were murmuring about everything, and that's they were just being completely ungrateful mm -hmm. to the good things that have been happening along the way. Well, and they, here, here's a here's a very deep and profound word of caution from this experience. What happens? They go through this affliction of Ishmael dying. And after they, you know, kind of rationalize and, and make a checklist of here's all the things we've suffered, what is their solution? I, we'd rather go back to Jerusalem. They were desirous to go back to Jerusalem. For those of us who have maybe led a life that has led us down paths that are not great or, or, or we've had weaknesses or issues that we're seeking to overcome, as we start to move away from from those those places of 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 you know of of wickedness or weakness maybe is a better way to put it we need to be on guard to be cautious because some trials might come some tribulations might come and then we instinctively say i want to go back to my place of comfort because we're not far enough away from it yet we might still be moving in the right direction we are continuing to move away from it but if we're not careful if we don't watch ourselves it's very easy for us mentally to quickly go back to our places of comfort, right? And and people who suffer with addiction in particular, but for anyone who has a weakness they're trying to overcome, they clearly were not far enough away from Jerusalem yet to where the, the daughters of Ishmael felt like, there's no going back now. We can't go back to that. They were still apparently close enough to where they they had this sense of, hey, maybe it's not too late. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can go back. And in our lives, whether, you know, whether it's pornography or whether it's alcohol or whatever these coping mechanisms are that we've developed, as we start to move away from them and start to overcome them and we are moving in a righteous direction and, and, and trying to break that pattern and get out of that comfort zone, the trials are going to come. And we need to be aware of that, that instinctively we're going to start thinking at least initially, hey, maybe it's better if I just go back. Yeah. You know, it's easier to just go back to where I'm comfortable. And and we've got to avoid that at all costs because the Lord is leading us to something greater. And that's the same mindset that children of Israel had with Moses. Exactly. Yeah. He freed them from Egypt. Mm -hmm. And then because it was difficult in the wilderness, they desired to go back to Egypt. They decide they want they desired to go back to being slaves. At right. least we weren't starving in Egypt is basically what they were right. saying. Yeah. Which is, you know, you, you think that's crazy. Like, but it's that it's the same pattern. Yep. It's the same pattern. And Laman and Lemuel, I mean, like they behold, they Laman and Lemuel, what do they say? Let us slay our father and also our brother Nephi, who has taken it upon him to be our ruler and our teacher like this was not just like some some murmuring yeah like this was hardcore rebellion man yeah this was yeah. this was rage this yeah. was this was anger to the level that they were considering murder mm -hmm. i mean wickedness in their hearts for sure yeah they were they were past that point of feeling at this point and then check out what they're saying here now this is Laman and Lemuel. He says that the Lord has talked to him, talking about Nephi, and also that angels have ministered unto him. But behold, we know that he lies unto us. 
And he tells us these things, and he worketh many things by his cunning arts, mm -hmm. that he may deceive our eyes, thinking perhaps that he may lead us away into some strange wilderness. And after he has led us away, he's thought to make himself a king mm -hmm. and a ruler over us, that they may do with us according to his will and pleasure. And after this manner did my brother Laman stir up their hearts to anger. So this uh, when I read this, the first thing I thought of was the um, YouTube comments we get. Yeah. <laughs> Only sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Only sometimes. Layman and Lemuel would have been great YouTube commenters. <laughs> no. Um, like, look how they're projecting. Yeah. Okay. This isn't, this is crazy. Like, they're, they're, this is, you can really see what, who they are. Yeah. And the state of their hearts by what they're projecting onto Nephi. Like you're, you're seeing the kind of people they are deep down, right? If, if they were, if they were in a situation of power, how they would do things. Cause that's, that's where their mind goes. That's yeah. the way they're thinking. That's, and they're just, and they're applying that to Nephi because that's, that's who they are. That's how they think. And it's just, it's, it, it's kind of scary. Right, because you we see this in the world, we see this in the media, we see this in politics, we see this in the workplace, where through gossip or through lies or whatever, pe people just project these terrible things onto innocent people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's the way of the world. And it's, I mean, it's just it's just destructive. Well, and that's that's exactly what I was going to say. The paradigm here that they're illustrating shows us that they saw the world as a power structure and they had a great fear that Nephi was trying to what they viewed as their rightful position as the elder brothers. They had a great fear that Nephi was going to try to usurp that power and that authority from them. They see the world that way and you know juxtapose that to the way the Lord tries to get us to see the world where it is a service servant first model where those who are great those who have much what are we called to do to to actually go beneath to to serve and to lift others up whereas layman and Lemuel have the exact opposite right mm -hmm. it's that power paradigm versus that service servant you know paradigm and clearly they're illustrating that whether they realize it or not that everything they see in the world is this power dynamic that the Lord is seeking to take us out of and actually flip on its head. So all of that was happening right in in the trial of Ishmael's death and the end of chapter 16 talks about that they you know they get over it. The 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 spirit touches their heart enough that they kind of get past it and and they continue on their way. And then we flip over to uh chapter 17 and what do we see? After the space of many days in the land of Bountiful, the voice of the Lord came unto me, saying, Arise, and get thee into the mountain. It came to pass that I arose and went to the mountain and cried unto the Lord. And what happened? The Lord commanded Nephi to go and build a boat. Ship. A ship. Sorry. <laughs> a boat would have only gotten him. Halfway there. <laughs> they needed the full ship. <laughs> so they made it to Bountiful. Okay, they continued on their way. And Bountiful was like 
a prime spot. Yeah. Okay. They, they named it Bountiful for a reason, right? That was that was an excellent place to rest from those trials and tribulations. They were granted some grace and a resting place on their journey. Yeah. And and when they had when they were they were in that moment of of being able to to breathe for a second, Nephi was then able to be called unto the mountain. Right. We have this temple experience again. And interesting that the Lord called him under the mountain, but Nephi didn't just go up the mountain and get get instruction to build a ship. He still had to cry unto the Lord. Yep. He was called, but he had to go up and and you know when I think of like this when I think of crying unto the Lord, I think of like he had to get himself back into that state. Where he could properly properly commune with the spirit, right? And and you know he's just he recognized after all they'd gone through he he wasn't there, and he had to go and work work that out mm-hmm. again, and he had to get back into the proper state of mind and 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 and, and serenity necessary to receive revelation again, and he gets it. Yeah. Well, and two things here with this: one, the Lord could have, or we at least we assume. The Lord, why didn't the Lord just immediately tell him, hey, you need to start building a ship? No, there was a process here. And just like you were talking about earlier, he needed to go to a place that was set apart, a place that was that was consecrated and where he could truly focus on and and humble himself and hear the word of the Lord. And that's where he started getting really specific guidance here and revelation on what he needed to do. The second thing that's interesting that we can learn from this, I'm sure when they got to Bountiful, they thought maybe this is the promised land. Like this might be the place that the Lord wants us to remain. It has everything that we, that we need. And seemingly it had so much in abundance that they had enough food. They had enough water. Nephi has enough of abundance around him to not only build a ship, but make all of the tools necessary to build a ship. It would be really easy to assume this is where we're supposed to be. And sometimes in our lives, we do that. Where we get to a certain place, we get to a certain stage that we feel like the Lord has called us to. Maybe we we say, hey, we need to move. We need to go to a certain place. And we get there and we think, exactly, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then after a time, after a season, the Lord shows us, okay, time to move on. And we start to question and we start to doubt and we start to say, well, well, did I misunderstand previously? Or we murmur and say, why is the Lord calling me on? Well, he's got a grander plan in store for us. And sometimes this place that seems bountiful is, but it's only meant to be that way for a season. And we need to rec- recognize and discern what those seasons are in our lives. Well, this is the cycle from the Valley of Lemuel now to bountiful, mm-hmm. right? We have... We talked about how it's 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 cyclical. Yeah. Right. So now they're at another place where they've gone through the trials and tribulations, but they've been faithful and diligent overall yep. to what they've received. And now they have this another period of rest, yep. but it's also a preparatory uh place for what is to come. Right. And let's just be a little sympathetic here to Layman and Lemuel that like you said, they they get to this place which is wonderful and they think, This is it. You know, that this is a promised land. Not so bad. Not Jerusalem, but not so bad. And then Nephi comes down from the mountain, and he's like, we're building a boat. <laughs> and that could only mean one thing. And they're like... <laughs> we ain't staying here. <laughs> and 
I mean, this, just think, of, they had to have looked at Nephi and say, are you out of your mind? No. Are you, like, no, that, actually, that is what they say. Yeah. <laughs> they say, our brother is a fool. <laughs> he thinks he can build a ship. I'm not listening to you. You're crazy. That's exactly how they felt. And, <laughs> and most of us would probably feel the exact same way, right? We finally get to a point where we think, ah, we've made it. We can rela- <clears throat> relax now and rest. And then immediately we get this inspiration or this feeling or somebody who's closely related to us says, hey, time to go do something else now. And it just almost drives you crazy, you know. And so they, they hate on Nephi. Like they call him a fool. And but Nephi gets discouraged, and they feed off that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like Lamb and Lamb, they see Nephi discouraged, and like that, like they like that because they're like, okay, like this ain't happening. Like we're not, we're definitely not building that ship. We're gonna stay here where it's where we have pros- prosperity, mm-hmm. and like that's so it's like important lesson there to not write that when we get discouraged. Right, that is fuel for the enemy. Right. The the those who are against us, that's fuel for them. They feed on that. And, you know, they just they they just they just kept piling on. We knew that you couldn't construct a ship. We knew you're lacking in judgment. There's no way you can accomplish such a great work. And look, okay, so here's so the, so then they just go into murmur like just the thought. <laughs> just the thought of continuing on this journey, right, puts them back into murmuring. Yeah. Even though they're in a place, right, of blessings. The thought of there's more to come. This isn't it. It just puts them back into into murmuring. Mm-hmm. They, they start mur- complaining about wandering in the wilderness and everything they've gone through. And what do they say? It would have been better that that they had died before leaving Jerusalem than to go through all these things. So, I mean, <laughs> Nephi comes down and says, "The Lord commanded me to build a build a ship. We're going to sail across the waters." <laughs> And they just say, we'd rather we'd be rather dead. dead. We'd rather be dead than build a ship and go across the like. It's just like there's no winning. There's no winning with. Them. I could definitely see my three year old responding that way. <laughs> like finally it's over. Not exactly. We got more walking to do. So it's like, oh, I'd rather die. Like they just totally drama, just complete drama. And uh, part of you is sympathetic. Everything they've been through, but the the sad part, the deep part is. They've totally missed the entire opportunity the Lord is giving them to grow close to him, to understand him and his ways better, and to start to be transformed into the individual that we clearly see Nephi being transformed into. And coming up here, we're going to see just how interesting and just how ironic what this transformation is leading to between Laman and Lemuel and Nephi. And so, so how does Nephi respond? Well, he goes into he goes into Mosaic covenant mode, yep. and he goes into that pattern of trying to remem- remind them of the great things that that the Lord has done, and in delivering um, the children of Israel. And he goes into the scriptures and he starts talking about Moses and and the deliverance of of God to the children of Israel, and he starts teaching them from essentially from the scriptures. Right. What do we say this was? It's a Jewish tradition, actually, of teaching it this way. What is it called? Um, so the Midrash. Midrash, that's what hey, it is. Yeah, yeah. Midrash. Yeah. Oh, hang on, I got to get my Hebrew. Yeah. Midrash. Good enough for me, man. Uh, <laughs> probably terrible. We're going to get a comment on that by somebody <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, comment on my terrible Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah, no. So Midrash, 
um, it's it's the uh, the rabbinic um, tradition tradition of of using the scriptures and ex- expanding uh, upon them and and using the scriptures as the tool of overcoming kind of complex issues complex issues and resolving problems yeah um, it's just it's just kind of that method that and, and Nephi does this. You know, it really shows that Nephi had that formal rabbinic education, right? That he really had that um, that education. And he'd been Jerusalem. studying the brass plates as well. I mean, they, he wasn't just laying them to rest. Mm-hmm. Like he had clearly been getting, been going through and, and internalizing all these stories and these passages and making sense of why they were important. And so he goes through and he's he's, he's teaching them um, from the scriptures, and he he tells the story about the the serpents Mm -hmm. that the lord sent fiery flying serpents among the children of israel and it's interesting because the i mean who sent the fiery flying serpents the lord Mm -hmm. uh interesting uh it that was a consequence of hardening their hearts yeah so when when you harden your heart you lose blessings and, and there's other consequences that can come from it but those things are for your good, right? Yeah. They're for your eternal good. Right? They're, they're to get you back on that the, the path of eternal progression that's going to get you further and closer to the Lord in the long run. So the Lord sent fiery flying serpents and they were bitten. It was they were they, they were venomous. And but the Lord also prepared a way that those who were were bit by the serpents might be healed. Okay, and the labor which they had to perform was to look right. So Moses had had the staff, and he put he uh, put the, uh, the the symbol of the serpent onto onto the staff. And then the instruction from the Lord was, if they look upon that that symbol, they would be healed. And what does it say? Because of the simpleness of the way, or the easiness of it, there were many who perished. Yeah. And wow, this is like this. This is another one of those those verses that just like screams out at me yeah. when I read it. It's like they lost. I mean, essentially, they lost their soul because what was asked of them was too simple. Yeah. They 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 wanted some 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 great manifestation of salvation, and when the Lord asked them. Something small and simple. The the pride of their hearts, they wouldn't even consider it. They wouldn't even try to act on it. And like I mean, can't can't we all relate with that? Yeah. Where the Lord asks us all to do small and simple things to progress towards salvation, and how I mean, how often do we cast cast those things aside? You know, maybe not out of out of spite. Or, or out of disbelief, but just because it, because they're small and simple, it, it doesn't captivate us, yeah. and we don't we don't get interested and in, in, in curious or excited about it. But the simpleness and the easiest of the gospel, like that's once you discover that, like that that's that's the key to unlocking all of the greatness and, and the blessings that the Lord has for us. But it's just like there's, I I come back I come back to this verse frequently, and I I think I think about it a lot because. Like, I think it's like easy to fall into, you know, maybe not even knowingly or, or not even wanting to, but I think just the natural man falls into this so easily. Yeah. 
Well, that's it. It this harkens back to exactly what we were talking about before, where the miracle is the simpleness and the easiness of the way, and everything we see today as part of the restoration and and the, the prophet and the apostles of the church, the lessons they're teaching, the truths they are delivering to us. Uh, on a on a consistent basis and in particular every six months in conference the messages are simple the truth and the light they're sharing is easy but way too often we just ignore it or we just think yeah i'll get around to it but because it's so easy we just don't do it sometimes i genuinely believe if the lord asked it to do something difficult if he said all right, time for everybody to to sell everything you got and we're going to trek down to Brazil and we're going to build Zion in Brazil. I know you'd be interested in this commandment. So I'm in. If 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 all of a sudden the prophet stands up there and says, "We got to get rid of all we got cuz we're all going to Brazil to build Zion." All of a sudden there would be this excitement, there would be this adventure, there would be this, "Hey, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but this is kind of cool, you know, and there might be a number of people that would really get into that and and would would give it all that they've got to give. But that's not what the Lord is doing. What he's asking us to do and the commandments that he's given us in this day, they're so simple and they're so easy. But in that easiness is the real power and the miracles and that if we do these little things, that's what transforms us. That's what turns us into being in his image and being prepared to live in his abode, you know, to be with him. It's those little things that transform us because you can do something great once and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to transform you forever. But you do these little things over and over and over again and you start to become those things and i guess the irony is the easiness of it is what makes it difficult yeah no that's that's <laughs> the crazy I mean, thing like, about it and like those who attack and criticize the church and members of the church i mean the what is what what do they what do they mock what do they mock us for they mock us for the simpleness and the easiness yeah of the gospel they, they mock us for those things which are which are plain and precious and those are the things, right? They just like Lemon Lemuel, they they think are foolish. Yeah, exactly right. But that's at the same time, those are the keys to eternal life. Okay, so why was Nephi teaching these things to Laman and Lemuel? Well, because he recognized that they were the same. Because of the simpleness and easiness of the way, or in this case, the plainness of the commandment which Nephi had received to build a ship, right? They they thought it was crazy. And we see some really sad words here about the condition of, of Laman and Lemuel. So Nephi says, You're swift to do iniquity and slow to remember the Lord your God. You've seen an angel. He's spoken to you. You've heard his voice from time to time. And he has spoken unto you in a still, small voice. But you were past feeling that you could not feel his words. 
Wherefore he has spoken unto you like unto the voice of thunder, which did cause the earth to shake, as if it were to divide asunder. And ye also know by the power of his almighty word, he can cause the earth, he can cause uh, the earth to pass away. So he goes through all this, and uh, he can just—he's just sensing the hardening of heart of Laman and Lemuel, and he's just calling them out on it. And and what what's the, what's the core of this? Their past feeling. Yeah. Like they can no longer feel the spirit. Like they've reached just. After everything they've gone through, and then this this thought of it it's not over, there's more, we gotta keep going. It's just it's put them past feeling. And to the point where I mean Nephi had to had to experience a very, very powerful manifestations to to get their attention at all. And so what do we see? came to pass that Laman and Lemuel, they came forth to lay their hands upon me, and I spake unto them, saying, In the name of the Almighty God, I command you that you touch me not, for I am filled with the power of God, even unto the consuming of my flesh. Whew. Intense, man. Whatever Nephi was feeling at that moment, like it was a fullness of the Holy Ghost. Yep. And uh, <laughs> it came with it a very interesting threat. Whosoever shall lay his hands on me, shall wither even as a dried reed. And uh, that's, a, that's an interesting threat to make. <laughs> Not one I've used or had used against me, but apparently it was effective in this particular situation. Because <laughs> they were they were not coming anywhere near him. <laughs> we were joking earlier, it might have been interesting if one of them did and the other one didn't, and just to see what actually would have come of that. <laughs> I guess, I guess, graciously, neither one of them was brave enough to test that uh, well, test that threat. And then what happens? And it, right, they, uh, so Nephi tells them to stop murmuring, and then Nephi starts teaching them about the power of God and the mm -hmm. power of of the priesthood. I think you wanted to talk on on these verses. Yeah. It, so in verse fifty says, "If God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If He should command me that I should say unto this water, Be thou earth, it should be earth. And if I should say it, it would be done." And now if the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should build a ship? So Nephi has an understanding of the fullness of the priesthood here. He understands that all things were created by the priesthood and that priesthood is the power of God. He understands the Melchizedek priesthood here that if the Lord needs him to command the elements, he understands that he could do it. Why? Because that holy priesthood of God is what created and organized all of these things, right? And so it's it's clearly showing, and we talked about this at the beginning of the lesson, it's showing how Nephi has come to understand and gain a sincere um, knowledge of the Lord and how the Lord works, and Laman and Lemuel have done the exact opposite. They have no understanding of how the earth is, how the earth was, how things are organized, and by what power all of these things are brought to pass. And that's what he's trying to teach them here, is that all of these things they see are organized and created by the Lord and by his authority, which is given to man should they choose to receive it and live according to the commands necessary to receive it. And the Lord honored 
Nephi to the extent in his priesthood that he 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 gave Nephi the ability to give a sign unto Laman and Lemuel, mm-hmm. a sign of that priesthood power. And what does it say? I stretched forth my hand and my brethren that they did not but they did not wither before me, but the Lord did shake them, even according to the word which he had spoken. Mm-hmm. So there was a very tangible, physical, real manifestation or sign of God's power and that, that Nephi was favored of the Lord and that his call to build the ship was legitimate. And then we see the most interesting response from Laman and Lemuel. They, they say, now, now we know of a surety that the Lord is with thee. We know that it is the power of the Lord that has shaken us. Then what happened? They fell down before me and were about to worship me, mm. but I would not suffer them. So it's just unreal. Like they they profess that they they acknowledge that it was the hand of the Lord and the power of the Lord that's with Nephi. And Nephi is being led by the Lord, but they don't bow down to worship the Lord. Yeah. Like their Nephi their is response dead. is to bow down and worship Nephi because the power of God is is with him. Mm-hmm. So this just shows the the no understanding the ignorance that they've maintained yeah. about about the gospel and. And, and and it shows that this, their their mindset and their heart is just it's as far from where it should be as as possible. And we were we were talking before in, in kind of our prep meeting about this, and and this is oh, this is so deep. This is so profound. And you want to start sound real smart and in <laughs> in Sunday school, you know, remember this. And it's, it didn't come from us. I mean, this is just. You know, as we start thinking and talking about things, the spirit starts starts guiding us. Laman and Lemuel had a consistent fear that Nephi was trying to be their ruler, that he was trying to be their king, that he was trying to take their birthright, essentially. And Nephi consistently denied that and did not seek that at all. But what do we see here? What is the irony of what do we see here? That through their wickedness, they had essentially created this self-fulfilling prophecy where now they literally were willing to worship Nephi, to make him their ruler, right? To, 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 to look up to him. The interesting part about this is, this is what we see all the time, almost always. In, in fact, I might be bold enough to say not almost always, always this happens. When people in our faith, when people outside of our faith in other forms of Christianity, when they start rationalizing, when they start coming up with excuses for why things can't be the way we're taught they are in Christianity or why the miracles or the blessings they received weren't really from the Lord, as they rationalize and then start to move away and pull back from the gospel and from truth, they start to to go down a completely different path. But does that path free them from religion? Does it free them from ideology the way that they think it does? No. They actually just replace a, a religion and a faith of agency and liberty and faith and trust in the Lord, and they replace that with the parallel gospel that the world offers. At that point, 
anti-God thinking becomes their religion. Atheism becomes their religion. The teachings of men become their religion. And this is what we see with Laman and Lemuel. They never took the time and didn't have the desire and didn't put in the effort to understand the, the gospel and the doctrine of truth that comes through the Lord. And if you don't do that, you're going to replace you're going to replace that religion, that structure that is ingrained within you eternally. You're going to replace it with something else. There will be some other form of, of temporal, wicked, perverse way of thinking that you will fill the gap within you that is necessary. You're going to create some alternative religion. Everybody worships something. Yep. Everybody lives their life in accordance with some dogma. If you don't want it to be Christianity, fine. Or if if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you're thinking about leaving the church because of the rules, because it's oppressive, because you look at the gospel like it's a checklist, I got bad news for you. You can leave, but you are going to find something else to fill your life with a false religion because we all are in need of a religion and we all fill that gap and that hole with something. And, and we need to be cautious and aware because it is false teaching. It is the doctrine of men that you can walk away from religion and be free because you'll replace it with something else. Well, the interesting thing is that the philosophy of men mingled with Scripture, it still has some Scripture in there, meaning there's still truths sprinkled throughout all the ways of the world, which means that there are bits of fulfillment that you can get even even when you're in um walking in incorrect and false paths yeah and that's what's so deceiving about it mm-hmm. we talked about that with the great and spacious building that's right is that you do get some of that comfort and you know everyone worships something mm-hmm. so in the lectures on faith right joseph smith talks about what is faith faith is a principle of power Faith, when you have faith in something, it's a principle of action. I'm sorry, I misquoted. Faith is a principle of action. So if you have faith in something, that faith motivates you to act consistent with that faith, to act in the direction of what you think faith in that thing will bring you. Mm -hmm. So if you have faith in money, and the ability that money has to buy you happiness. If that's where your faith is, that's your God, if that's what you worship, right, that faith will move you forward in that direction, right? And maybe maybe that faith will lead you to education, to a career. Maybe it does lead you to money. And maybe there is a degree of comfort, satisfaction, fulfillment that comes from that path. But that is not the fullness of the blessings of eternity. Yeah. Right? You cannot, like that, that is so limited and so shallow in what it's able to provide you. And it's, I mean, the, the world, that's where the world is. And that's why there's so much suffering and anxiety and depression. And there's just so, so many pains in the world because the, the, the gods that they worship, the things that they worship, the faith that, <clears throat> The things in which they put their faith 
right? It is leading them in a direction, but but when they get the fruits of that faith, it's it does not have the fulfillment yep. that they need. It does not have the fullness of of the fulfillment. And the only way to get that is through truth, through the fullness of truth, is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's just it's so important to where is your faith? Your faith has to be in Christ, in the atonement. Your faith has to be in the eternal plan of God and in the plan of salvation. Your faith has to be in eternal life and that it's not just the here and now and then and then it's and then it's done. And the life's over and existence is life is eternal. Life can be your life can be eternal. You can have eternal lives. This is there, there's a fullness of joy and a fullness of possibility available here. But you have to have faith in what is true. You have to have faith in the living God, in the living Christ. And that is what is going to point. And there's all kinds of blessings, temporal, spiritual, that come along with that, right? When you're in the path and the pursuit of the fullness of truth, everything comes with that. Not in the way of the world, that the world teaches it or says that it should, but it does, right? The temporal, spiritual, all those blessings are available when you're putting your faith in what is correct. Amen. So Nephi says, don't worship me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> worship God. And they do. All right, let me do. And so it came to pass, they did worship the Lord and go forth with me. And they work together, they build the ship, and they're like, this is good. They're proud of it, right? Yeah. They do it. It's They've done. But what, 12 verses later, after that amazing, miraculous experience of being shaken by the Lord, wanting to worship Nephi, then you know, having this profound, sacred worshiping of the Lord, 12 verses later, Nephi's tied up on the ship. <laughs> and, and all he was telling them was, hey, calm down. Y'all are getting a little bit out there. Just calm down. We Layman, need to be reverent and respectful here. Layman and Lemuel getting married. Yeah. Right? They're drunk on the boat. Yep. And they're yeah. they're ticked off at, at Nephi again. He's tied up. Leahona's Leahona's busted. Ain't working. And they're they're going through these storms of the sea, and just, they just fall right back into same old same old same old same old. And it's it's just it's here we go again on our it's own. It's just it's it's sad. It's frustrating. It's you know so you just don't know like it's you just feel despair for it mm. for them, and 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 you feel you just feel so sad for for Lehi and Nephi and everybody who's just seeing this happen over and over again and it gets worse every time right they they get they get a second third fourth fifth tenth chance and then it's just it gets worse and 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 then what happens it's verse 17 18 we're in chap, chapter 18 here um it's super interesting to that we have to remember that Nephi had that that deep vision when the spirit was was showing and illustrating to him what was coming. Nephi had an understanding that Laman and Lemuel likely were not going to fully repent and and ever fully grasp on to you know the rod of iron and 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 um, understand the 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 doctrine and the principles of the gospel. 
and he knew it, and he knew that the Lord knew it. But the interesting thing is, every time Laman and Lemuel go through this experience where they rebel to the point of murder in their hearts, wanting to kill Nephi, and this, I'm losing track of fingers here, how many times they try to kill Nephi or want to kill Nephi, every single time the Lord gave them another chance, they repented, and what happened? The Lord started to bless everybody again. It amazes me how over and over and over again, the worst of circumstances. And, you know, the interesting thing is this must have been another day in time, you know, because you think about today, if somebody tried to kill somebody once or twice or three times, we would totally write that person off forever and say there is absolutely no hope for that individual, you know, just pure wickedness. But here in the scriptures, we can still see that not only has the Lord not not given up on Laman and Lemuel and is willing to accept their repentance. But even Nephi, even through this experience, once again on the ship, being tied up, the only thing that prevents Laman and Lemuel from outright allowing Nephi to die is they finally recognized the judgments of God are upon us. If we don't release Nephi, we're going to die. We're going to get swallowed up. So they finally release Nephi. And, and, and Nephi even says, Hey, I didn't murmur. I didn't blame God. I, I, he immediately had this spirit of forgiveness about him, you know, and, and Nephi and the Lord continue to give Laman and Lemuel another chance. And I think about the people in my life that I have a hard time relating to and a hard time forgiving or having sympathy for because of the choices that they've made. And, and I just think, well, you know, I want to help them, but I know it's going to go to waste because they're not going to take my help and actually start bettering their life. And that's the wrong attitude. And that's so hard sometimes because you minister to somebody and you know they're not doing anything to better themselves. They're not doing anything well, to get out of this situation. you have to have the hope. Yeah. That, Eternal hope. That the miracle can happen. Yeah. That the Saul can become the Paul. Yeah. You have to live with that hope because we're not the judges. Yep. Right? We can't judge. And we're commanded to live that way. We're commanded to be that way. And Nephi clearly and, lived that And the way. truth is, sometimes the Saul does become the Paul. Yeah. Right? The, mir those miracles do and can happen. Yeah. But we can't predict, pick and choose when and where and who that's going to happen. Yep. And um, with, with Laman and Lemuel, the, the, the frustrating thing is that it's just getting worse. Right? They were like... Their hearts were so hardened that they were begging and pleading to, to release Nephi. They wouldn't do it. Yeah. Right? It was only the threat of destruction. Of Their death own destruction. That was, uh, that had the ability to soften their hearts. Mm -hmm. And that's a very dangerous place to be living your life. Right? You know, we or we kind of go back, we talk about addiction a lot. And um, it's because there's... A lot of parallels here. Well, and, and it gives a lot of examples that, you know, you can visually more easily see. Mm -hmm. It's Principles are true for any sin. Yeah. But, you know, like when when you're going through addiction, like though, when you're an addict, you reach a point where you, it's clear that you're walking that, that edge. Yeah. Where that this, this, if you continue on the path you're on, it's destruction. Yeah. Well, you're right? past feeling. Right, you you just like with pornography, you don't look at women as daughters of God anymore. You objectify them. 
They're just things to be used for your own personal gratification. There's there's no more feeling there. There's no more empathy or love or care or Christ-like anything. You know, it's it's all about you. It's all self-centered, mm-hmm. right? And that's that we see that with Laman and Lemuel. It's all about them. That there's their past feeling of any Christ-like attributes in their life at this point. And fortunately, that discernment, that light of Christ that we have, that gives us awareness when we're near destruction. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it has the capability to bring us back. Yep. If we allow it, if we choose to act on it and seek the help that we need. Mm-hmm. And Laman and Lemuel, right? In this moment, they acted on it. Yeah. Right? When they were about to be swallowed up in the depths of the sea, they repented of the thing which they had done in so much that they loosened Nephi. And then what happened? The Lord forgave them. Yeah. They were able to get, they were able to return to a state where the spirit could operate in them and give them direction. Right. Their Liahona, the Liahona began to work again. They were able to have direction. Second chances, third chances. As many chances as, as as we can get, right? That's what's available through the atonement. And this is the message that we get through the trials and the tribulations of, of, of Lehi's family, of, of Nephi, Laman, and Lemuel, that the atonement is real and the atonement has power in our lives if we, if we take advantage of it, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we seek repentance, if we take the effort to <coughs> attempt to improve our lives to bring those offerings and those those our personal efforts to the Lord. So much healing is available to us now. Yeah. In this life, the healing and the help that we need, regardless of of, of your difficulties, regardless of your sins, regardless of where you are in life, it's available. And if you're if you're here and you're alive, doesn't matter what you're going through doesn't matter how bad it is, how close to destruction you are, the atonement can heal you. The atonement can bring you back. Jesus Christ can heal you. And this is the message of the Book of Mormon. This is the message of Nephi. And, you know, this is why he is writing these things. This is why he said these things are precious to him, these experiences. These things are tragic to him, right? When he's he's remembering everything they went through and, and this... The ultimate, the ultimate great fall of, of his brothers. These are tragic experiences, but they're precious to him because he sees and he learned and he can see the hand of the Lord. He can see the mercy of Jesus Christ and and just the, the beautiful mercy and grace that's available to each and every one of us. That's why this is precious to, to all of us. This is why the Book of Mormon is so necessary for us in this day, in these last days, in, in, in this world in which we live, because we each desperately need to take advantage of of, of the grace that Jesus Christ offers us, and He offers it offers it so abundantly. We just have to put our faith in Him, worship Him, and use the faith that we have to move in His direction. And that is is my testimony that I share in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The The interesting thing is, is we've gone through these first couple chapters and we started off with trials and tribulations and, and why, you know, these things matter. As we've gone through here, we've actually already addressed and, and responded to 
essentially everything that this lesson is about. The small and simple things, being led by and, and, and guided by these small and simple things, those are the miracles in our lives. And then likening the scriptures to myself, we've talked about how these stories and these examples that Nephi has given us, they very clearly are applicable to what we are going through. And the trials and tribulations that not maybe will come, but absolutely are going to come. There's there, also there's also a few chapters of Isaiah that you can get into. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why they lumped all these chapters together. It's like, we need to get to 2 Nephi pretty quick here. <laughs> that 2 Nephi is... <laughs> that didn't start off much better. That's, um, that's got, that's got, that's got some in there as well. Oh, yeah, sorry. No. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but but the, the, the point is, these chapters illustrate, and this whole journey from leaving Jerusalem to arriving in the promised land. If the Book of Mormon stopped right there, if there was nothing else that we received, if we studied these chapters and these verses and these words, and we started to internalize them and liken them unto ourselves, we would very clearly and with power and authority, we would be led to the Lord. We would have a personal relationship with him and in so doing we would be transformed we would start to become like nephi and who is nephi like the savior he had started to develop those attributes the empathy the love and the forgiveness that the savior has and that i can testify of because from from where i was 10 8 7 even five years ago, to the man that I am today. I'm not where I want to be, but I can now honestly look in my, my look at myself in the mirror and say, I am becoming that man. I am on that path. I am on that road. And I and I have a lot of I take a lot of courage in the Savior and what I recognize as as what he is doing in my life and what he has done for me and that's what Nephi recognizes. And each of us have to do that in our own way, in our individual relationship with the Lord. We have to recognize what he has done and what he is actively seeking to do for us. And if we act in the patterns that Nephi acts, if we follow that example and use these real life stories of struggle, of trial, of tribulation, of relationships that don't go the way we want them to go, there's so much value and so much power to transform us, to, to help us become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, because that's the goal. That's what we want to do. And we'll never be that on our own, by our own merits. But as we truly seek to align and to act upon righteous principles, the Savior's grace and His mercy will be fully applied to us. And we will truly be transformed like Saul who became Paul, and I testify of the Savior and his goodness and his power and his authority and in his holy name. Amen. Amen.